Our gospel lesson today on this second Sunday of Advent is from Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 8. I invite you to follow along as the words will be on the screen, or you may follow in your own Bibles. Hear God's word to us today. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the, glory, for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Beginning lines. The beginning of the good news. Beginning lines are important, whether it's literature, whether it's a speech, or whether the Bible. Beginning lines. See if you know some of the works to which these beginning lines are attributed. And you can shout it out if you want to. Choir, you can help too, okay? We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, the, the prelude to the United States Constitution, right? Four score and seven years ago, our fathers... The Gettysburg Address. Let me read the rest of that first line. Our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. In my younger and more vulnerable years, my father gave me some advice that I've been turning over in my mind ever since. The Great Gatsby, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Let me read the whole line here. I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Yes. Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. November to August of, of 1963. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> Star Wars. Now, when I grew up in 19... I, I saw this in 1977 when it first came out, 40 years ago. And that was the first Star Wars, but it's actually season four 
when you go through all of the ones that have been made since and all of that. I'll never forget that movie. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. The first lines in Mark's gospel elicit the same things that first lines in other literature do for us. Grabs our attention. Interrupts the status quo. States truth. Casts vision. Often summarizing the whole of the narrative. It can also be a reminder for, of that which needs to be reprioritized or refocused in our lives. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Matthew begins his gospel with the ancestry and birth of the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Messiah meaning the anointed one. Christ meaning the anointed one. Luke begins his gospel with the birth of John the Baptist. Both Matthew and Luke spend the first two chapters of their gospels narrating the birth of Jesus Christ. John begins his quite differently with the pre-incarnate logos. In beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Apostle Paul begins many of his letters with the foundation of each of the churches But Mark begins his gospel with the work of John the Baptist and the beginning of the public ministry of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. If you read through Mark, it is punctiliar. It's it's in motion, fast-moving, filled with stories between stories. The word immediately appears often, and Mark takes us on a purposeful journey as good news is revealed. Mark 1 One tells us that this gospel is good news. The beginning of the good news. The beginning of the good tidings. It is about Jesus Christ and it tells us who He is. The Son of God. Mark is also known as John Mark in Scripture. And we understand that he received the spoken words of Peter the Apostle late in Peter's life. So Mark received a first count eyewitness testimony of what Peter experienced as he was journeying along with Jesus. He's written the first gospel, and most of Mark's gospel is found in both Matthew and Luke's gospel. Since these words are the first-hand stories and teachings of Peter, we have a connection to Jewish history and prophecy telling how the John John the Baptist came before to testify of Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah, predicted by the prophets as the Son of God. I sense that we have this passage in the Advent season to help us to revive the excitement and enthusiasm of the gospel, the good news of the saving grace and mercy and forgiveness and eternal life that is available to us through Jesus Christ. Sadly, though, the gospel message can often become passe and overshadowed by the consumer and commercial mindset during the holiday season. And we need to take a step back and recognize that we as people of God, as Christian people, live differently than that. Perhaps the first words of the gospel can help us to begin again afresh to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and to be able to tell others the reason for the faith we have. 
Maybe John the Baptist, who preached at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, can help us to ask this question. Can this Christmas be a new beginning for me, for you, and for me? I want to focus just a little bit on the prophet John the Baptist who prepared the way for Jesus, and then I'd like to uh, challenge us about our own preparation for the birth of Jesus. Let's look at the Scriptures. Mark writes, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in in Isaiah the prophet. And we know there are three different prophecies mentioned here in this passage. Mark mentions Isaiah. Isaiah was the forerunner of the prophets. He's the first one that we see in the book of the major prophets. So it wasn't uncommon for someone like Mark, to summarize some other prophetic sayings and refer to them as, uh, as, as one, as, as Isaiah. And he says, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And he reflects back on that prophecy as foretelling the John, that John the Baptist would come and prepare the way for Jesus. And then verse 3, or verse 4 says, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance, changing one's ways for the forgiveness of sins. This was a ritual baptism that was symbolized by cleansing in the water and helped people to prepare for that baptism which was to come spiritually in Christ Jesus. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to John. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. We also know that he wore strange clothing. Verse 6 says that he wore clothing made of camel's hair. Very much like what you would experience in the prophets of old. People thought he was Elijah. He had a belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. Can you imagine the food that they ate in the wilderness? And John ate diet quite differently than others. This was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I. He's preparing the way. When a king would enter into a city in the old days, the people who would come before him that would herald his, his coming would clear the, a path for him. If there wasn't a, a straight road, they would make a straight road in the desert so that the king could come right into the desert and people could, into the city and people could meet and greet the king. This is precisely what John the Baptist was to do. Not only preparing people physically to come to Jesus, but also spiritually preparing a place in their hearts that they would be ready to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then John the Baptist very clearly differentiated himself that he was not the one who would be the Messiah. He said, after me comes the one more powerful than I the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. That was the work of the lowest servant to unstrap one's sandals after a long journey and clean their feet. And John the Baptist 
says, I am not worthy even to do that. I baptize you with water, but He will come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John's baptism was that of preparation, of repentance and forgiveness of sins, preparing people to meet Jesus. Jesus would baptize by the Holy Spirit, which speaks to us about change of the heart. How now can we prepare ourselves for Jesus' birth? If you're taking notes, I have four things I want to share with you today. First, we need to admit that we need a voice to call out and confront us. We need a voice to call out and confront us. We need the voice of God speaking to our lives. We always prepare for other great events in our lives, whether it's Christmas or the birth of a baby or taking a trip or getting ready for a soccer tournament or a basketball game or any athletic event or preparing for a Christmas concert, the dance recital, making preparations for a well-known dignitary to come into town and speak. We've all experienced and know the reality of preparing for a special event. But Christ comes to us in so many different ways. He first came to us in the form of a baby born to a young, unwed peasant girl. After his baptism by John the Baptist and temptation in the wilderness, he came preaching good news to the poor, proclaimed freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and the release of the oppressed. And he proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor, a voice calling out to us. Christ comes to us in so many different ways, and our hearts must always be prepared for the surprise of Christ coming into our lives when we often least expect it. In your life, maybe there is a pastor, and you sense God speaking to you through him or her, or spouses, or our children, or friends, or co-workers, or teachers, or even neighbors who can be the voice of God calling to us to get our attention, to confront us about an issue that we might be prepared for the coming of God's real and very near presence in our lives. All four gospel writers quote Isaiah 40, verse 3, about the messenger who will prepare the way for the Lord and make his path straight. So it is for John the Baptist, and you and I today are called to allow the Holy Spirit to make straight paths to our hearts that we might experience the gospel fresh and new today. Often God speaks to us through the poor. People who are very different than we are. All four gospels emphasize that John the Baptist was an ascetic living in the wilderness, not from the city. Rather, he lived in the desert of Judea, raised among the Essenes who lived simple lives and devoted themselves to fasting and prayer. They advocated a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sin. And if you, as you have already heard, people from all over came to experience this baptism of preparation for Jesus who was to come. John the Baptist looked differently. He dressed differently. He ate differently. Maybe the voice of God comes to us today through people who look differently than we do who act differently, who speak differently, who have a different cultural, ethnic, or national background than we do. 
Maybe God will speak to you or me through a refugee. Not long ago, right out here on Huguenot Road, um, there was a Hispanic couple whose car had broken down. Miss Amanda came into my office and said, Bob, there's a couple out on Huguenot Road and they have a flat tire. And um, we went, let's see if we can help. So Amanda and I walked out to the edge of the road and there was a, a husband and wife and they spoke no English, only Spanish. Just as Amanda and I were trying to communicate to help them, Norman Boswell, one of our members, Norman, are, are you're in the room back, it's back of the soundboard over there. Norman happens, and I don't believe it was a coincidence, he drives by in his vehicle, pulls into the parking lot, and volunteers to help. Norman had everything. I think Norman had a refrigerator in his trunk. <laughs> he had an air compressor. He had the appropriate jack to use to lift this car up. So we, we had gotten them to drive across the church lawn into the parking lot. And then Norman Boswell took care of changing their tire, put their spare on, filled the spare up with air, and then sent them on their way. The only way that we were able to communicate with them that day was through Google Translate because they had a phone and used Google Translate, so we were able to communicate back and forth. And they said, thank you and God bless you. And that uh, situation reminded me that we always need to be looking for the presence of God. God will speak to us through in all kinds of ways through people who might be like us, but also might be quite different than we are. Now, the, the last several things. Number two, we must be willing to change. That's the repentance part. We need to hear the voice of God that confronts. We need to be willing to change. And the word repent means to change. The Greek is metanoia. There are things I can't change about myself, but with God's help, there are some things I can change. And it reminds me of the serenity prayer. I'd like you to read that with me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I encourage you to find that prayer and make it a part of your life. There may be some in here who already have, but there are things we can't change but I pray that I would have the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I can't change where I'm from. I can't change my family of origin. I can't change dysfunction that my family may have had. I can't change my ethnicity. I can't change where I grew up or anything like that. I can't change my past decisions. I can't change things that have happened to me. But I can change the way I speak to my wife. I can change the way I speak to my daughter. I can change the way that I speak to people I don't know. I can change, with God's help, the way that I relate to people who are different than me, who came from different backgrounds and cultural uh, backgrounds and ethnicities and nationalities. I can change my perspective toward people of different walks of life than I come from, with God's help. Be willing to change. Third, let go. 
This is the confession and forgiveness part. Let go. John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. When we confess our sins to God, we are letting it go to God. When we confess our sins to one another, we are letting go those things that have been a barrier between us in seeking reconciliation. To forgive means to let go. After the snowstorm this weekend, I don't know about you, but in my backyard, the trees were all bent over. And we have a strip of magnolia trees to the left-hand side of our backyard. And when I went out yesterday morning, they were all bent over and several big branches had broken off and fallen to the ground. So I went in the garage and got a big rake and I started to beat the tree limbs with the rake and the snow would drop off. And when that happened, the, the magnolias are to the left of the screen up there. When that happened, the magnolia branches sprung back into action. And they, the, the weight of the snow was released. It was like they were set free. It was like they said, thank you. When we confess our sins to God and to one another and seek forgiveness, it is as if there is a weight just set free. And we can say, thank you, God. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for the good news of Jesus who came that I might be free. And the fourth thing I want us to remember is to jump in. John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. And we look at baptism today as an immersion not only an immersion in the water to symbolize that we have been forgiven and set free, we've been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, but also we immerse ourselves in the spiritual disciplines as we journey toward becoming mature disciples in Jesus Christ. There may be some today who need to make that decision to profess Jesus, to, to, to say, I, I want to jump all into the Christian faith. I'm ready to make that decision and I I seek baptism, believer's baptism, and I'm ready to immerse myself in the spiritual disciplines of loving God and loving others and prayer and Bible reading and Bible study and being involved in serving and changing the lives in our community to immerse yourself in generosity, to do what is just and right and pure and to develop a habit of worship and fellowship in the local church, to jump in and be immersed in the fullness of all that God has to offer. I'll always remember about 10 years ago, the baptism that I officiated at my former church. There were two brothers who came to Christ about the same time. Andrew was older. Daniel was about a year and a half or so younger. And they wanted to be baptized together. So we all got into the pool. Andrew, being the oldest, went first and baptized Andrew, and then he left the pool. Daniel was way over on the other side watching his brother. Daniel was an avid swimmer on swim team. You know what happened. Daniel got up on the side of the pool as if he was jumping in and 
didn't do a cannonball, but he jumped in and swam over to me to baptize him. The water splashed everywhere, and the choir was doing like you are today, just imagining what it would be to get splashed by the baptism up behind you. And his, the look on his face was so pure and so ready to be immersed. And that's the kind of attitude I want to have. I want to be all in. I want to jump in and be immersed in all that God has to offer. I pray that you will journey toward Christmas afresh and new this season. And pray that God would speak clearly to you as you seek to understand the way that he would lead you. Let's pray.